0: Welcome to Season 2 of Saints, Sinners, and Serial Killers with co-hosts, New York Times best-selling authors and renowned investigative journalists Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge. In this episode Casey and Dave take you inside Casey's worldwide investigation into the secrets of an infamous pirate shipwreck dating back three centuries. And now Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge.
1: This is the ultimate cold case investigation that dates back more than 300 years, and I'm honored to be playing an active role in solving one of the greatest mysteries of our time, identifying the remains of six lost men recently found in the underwater wreckage of the infamous pirate ship, the Witta, in the waters off Cape Cod. As a member of the Witta expedition team, led by renowned explorer Barry Clifford, I am bridging the gap between ancient history and modern technology in an effort to learn the truth about these pirates and the captain who eventually led them to their doom. Black Sam Bellamy. Who is Black Sam Bellamy? He's just the richest pirate who ever lived. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. To tell the story about Black Sam, we must go back to Barry Clifford's childhood dream started, you know, as a
2: boy, just growing up on the Cape, all of the legends of the, you know, the the pirate ship that wrecked off of Wellfleet, uh, Sam Bellamy, Maria Hallett, his girlfriend who had been condemned as a witch, and all of these incredible stories that all the Cape Codders knew
3: about. It was family legend with, you know, with all the old Cape Codders. At eight years old, Barry Clifford becomes obsessed with the widow Pirate legend, dedicates his life to gathering the facts about Black Sam Bellamy in the hope that those facts would one day lead him to the pirate ship and all of its treasure. He soon learns that Sam Bellamy was born in 1689 somewhere in England. As a young man Bellamy sailed to Cape Cod and settled in the town of Wellfleet where he met a beautiful young woman named Maria Goody Hallett. The year is 1714 Bellamy and Hallett fall in love and Maria gets pregnant. Hearing the news, her angry father chases Bellamy off Cape Cod. Bellamy vows to return to her one day, but this time as a rich man. He catches a giant sloop headed to the Caribbean where rumor has it dozens of Spanish ships full of gold and silver are shipwrecked and waiting. Because there are so many downed ships in the West Indies, the Spanish crown offers a small ransom to anyone who can salvage the treasures. But when Black Sam arrives weeks later, he's missed the underwater gold rush. The shipwrecks are picked over and the fortunes are gone. With no money and no way home, Black Sam has little choice but to go on the account and join a pirate crew.
1: Bellamy joins the crew of Benjamin Hornigold, a fellow Englishman who is a great teacher of the pirate arts. Hornigold has spent a career attacking merchant ships in the Bahamas and has just established his own sovereign nation, a Republic of Pirates in Nassau. Bellamy earns the nickname Black Sam for his refusal to wear a powdered wig. Instead, he sports a long black ponytail. His crewmate Edward Teach has also earned an unusual nickname. His fellow pirates call him Blackbeard because he's known to light his beard on fire so that his enemies will think he's the devil. But there's a problem. Captain Hornigold and Blackbeard, his second in command, refuse to attack British ships. Bellamy thinks this is a bad idea, and so does the crew. Together, they vote to remove Hornigold from command. It's a bloodless coup that puts the mantle of leadership squarely upon young Bellamy's shoulders. Now forget what you've read about pirates in the history books. For the most part, crews like Bellamy's were made up of runaway slaves and other men of color. They were targeting slave ships. Barry Clifford believes the pirates weren't villains. Instead, they were heroes. This was a majority of the pirates that brutalized merchant sailors and
2: former slaves who were experimenting in democracy, you know, 50 years before George Washington. And of course, these people were, you know, terrible outlaws. And the worst thing they were doing, obviously, they were stealing the money that paid for their families.
3: Bellamy's pirate crew dominates the Caribbean, raiding more than 50 ships in less than a year. They shed very little blood. Bellamy uses violence only as a last resort. For that, he earns a nickname from his admirers and even his enemies. They call Bellamy the Prince of Pirates. They even take on a mascot, a 10-year-old boy named John King, who'll become the youngest pirate ever on record. Black Sam becomes a wealthy pirate, but he doesn't believe he's rich enough to win the acceptance of Maria Hallett's stern father, at least not yet. It's now the spring of 1717, and Bellamy's crew spots a massive ship sailing through the windward passage between Hispaniola and Cuba. The ship is more than 100 feet long and weighs 300 tons. It's truly the Titanic of its time. It carries the name Witta, and it also carries a fortune in gold and silver. The captain of the Witta, is
1: a Dutchman named Lawrence Prince, and he's amassed his latest bounty of treasure by selling 312 African slaves to plantation owners in Jamaica. The Wida is sailing under the British flag. Its name comes from an African town that's part of the largest slave port in the world. Bellamy and his crew have an idea, but it could be a suicide mission. Outgunned and outmanned, these men, mostly runaway slaves themselves, decide to seize the ship. They chase the widow for three days on the open seas. Bellamy finally catches up to Lawrence prince, and they lock eyes from the helm of their ships. Black Sam shouts over to the slave ship captain.
3: You are a devilish, conscious rascal, and I am a free prince. And I have as much authority to make war on the whole world as he who has a hundred sails of ships at sea, and an army of a hundred thousand men in the field, and this my conscience tells me. But there is no arguing with such sniveling puppies, who allow superiors to kick them about deck at pleasure.
1: Bellamy then fires a warning shot
3: over the bow of the widow. Lawrence Prince is a notorious slave trader, and he's also a coward. He surrenders to Sam Bellamy without a fight. Black Sam's crew takes the widow as its own and all the gold and silver that comes with it. Black Sam is now worth an estimated $300 million. He's far richer than his contemporaries like Captain Henry Morgan, Blackbeard, and Sir Francis Drake. Bellamy's plan is to sail back to Cape Cod and reunite with Maria Hallett. He and the crew also discuss continuing on to Maine, where they'll create a society of free men, all living and working together as equals. It's a radical concept for 1717. While Bellamy has been away, Maria gives birth to their son. She hides the baby in a hayloft, far away from her angry father. But tragedy strikes when the infant chokes on a piece of straw and dies. The local sheriff banishes Maria from the village to a small hut located on the outer cliffs of Wellfleet. She's called a witch by local villagers, and she's isolated. Maria's only hope is that Bellamy will return and save her. Bellamy sails the
1: widow and her sister ship, the Marianne, up the Atlantic coast to Cape Cod. The date is now April 26, 1717, and Bellamy and his crew are confronted by a ferocious nor'easter. Winds are clocking in at 80 miles per hour. The waves are now a whopping 50 feet high. Even with the sails down and the anchor dragging, the Witta is tossed like a toy boat in the violent seas. The Witta collides with a sandbar. Waves roll over the decks, and men are thrown into the ocean to their deaths. The giant galley begins to roll, trapping Sam Bellamy, young John King, and others inside. Maria Hallett watches the horror from the dunes of Wellfleet. Her beloved Samuel is lost to the sea. Only nine pirates will survive the night. They'll later be put on trial. The first piracy trial in the American colonies. Six pirates are convicted. Two more are set free. One man, a mosquito Indian named John Julian, is sold into slavery to John Quincy, grandfather to Abigail Adams. Cotton Mather of the Salem Witch Trials visits the doomed pirates and offers them salvation before they are taken by boat
3: to the village of Charlestown and hanged. The story of the Witta is passed down from generation to generation on Cape Cod, Centuries after the shipwreck, a young Barry Clifford discovers an old map and a diary that helps him pinpoint the exact location of the infamous Witta pirate ship. The information comes from a pre-colonial salvage agent named Cyprian Southhack, who was sent to the scene after the ship went down.
2: Southhack said, you know, from the cliffs of Wellfleet, as he watched the Witta break up on a sandbar offshore, he said the next day she turned bottom up, the riches with the guns will be buried in the sand. The riches with the guns will be buried in the sand. So here you have Santa, uh, you know, South Heck watching the widow turn over. And he said the next day she turned bottom up and the decks fell out.
3: But Clifford can't go it alone. He needs an experienced crew. Barry forges a friendship with another diver who happens to be one of the most famous people in the world. Over a quarter century ago, my father stood before you to accept the nomination for the presidency of the United States. Barry picks up the story from here.
2: John Kennedy Jr. and me, back in the late 70s, we were, you know, he worked with me on the vineyard, diving and looking for shipwrecks around the vineyard, and decided to go look for the widow. That was like 1981, I think. Then 82, we actually dove on the Widow. John was actually the first person to dive on the wreck and came up and said, Barry, there's nothing there. There's All there is is sand. Then we realized what we had to do was come up with some way to, you know, to dig down. We had no idea that things could be buried 30 feet under the sand.
3: Clifford, JFK Jr., and the crew of Barry's ship, the vast explorer, bring in a piece of equipment that can dig through the sand like a vacuum cleaner. They immediately find pieces of timber and some old belt buckles, but nothing to tie them to the Witta. Some other archaeologists discount Barry's effort. After all, the seas off Cape Cod are known as the graveyard of the North Atlantic. 3,000 vessels have been lost there over the centuries.
1: But Barry Clifford will not quit. In 1984, he and his team believe they have located the ship. The artifacts they've collected point to this being the Witta. But the so-called experts are still not convinced. Then, a year later, Barry Clifford hits pay dirt. You know, it was very controversial when we first
2: just, you know, claimed that we found the Witta. There was not many people that believed us. But then in 85, we found the ship's bell. And on the ship's bell was engraved, The Witta Galley, 1716. But my phone never stopped ringing for a month after that. I had helicopters landing in the field in front of our our house, and I mean, the world just sort of changed at that moment. And and the reason is, is that we had discovered the only authenticated pirate ship in the world. So from that point on, from being the cover of the New York Times to being on the cover of People magazine, on and on and on and on, you know, the widow obviously has had a lot of media attention.
1: The news sparks a celebration throughout the world, and Barry Clifford is now hailed as the real-life underwater Indiana Jones. The ship reveals a massive treasure of Aken gold, silver coins, indigo, and several cannons. The amount of treasure is staggering. Clifford continues to dive on the wreck for several more years. He dreams of reuniting with his original first mate until tragedy strikes.
0: Good evening. A dark day for America. John F. Kennedy Jr., his wife Carolyn, and her sister Lauren Bassett still are missing tonight. And it does now seem certain that they went down in the crash of a single-engine plane that Kennedy was flying last night to Martha's Vineyard off Massachusetts. As that news spread across America throughout the day, there was a common reaction. This is unbelievable. That family truly is cursed.
1: The remains of all three are found by divers five days later, on July 21, 1999, after an 18-hour search of the ocean floor. Kennedy, his wife, and his sister-in-law are still strapped to their seats under 116 feet of water. Barry Clifford is close to the Kennedy family, and they ask him to lead the recovery mission to pull their bodies from the downed plane but he can't do it. He doesn't want to see his good friend that way.
3: Instead, Clifford honors Kennedy's memory by continuing to salvage the treasures of the Witta. More than 20,000 ancient coins have been found so far. Much of the fortune is now housed at Clifford's Pirate Museum on Cape Cod. During one dive off Wellfleet, the crew recovers something unusual.
2: Just a couple of years ago, one of the divers came into the pilot house and he said, you're not going to believe this. And he handed me this compass. And I said, look what's on this. And I looked at it and it said KJF. I don't want sub, what, what the heck does that mean? I was, it was plastic. And I turned it over and it was JFK. And it was John Kennedy's compass. That was found, it was found stuck to the cannon pile.
3: When Barry and his crew dives, there's always a chance that the walls of sand will cave in on them and kill them. But that's not the only fear. The site of the widow shipwreck is right in the middle of what's now known as the Great White Shark Superhighway.
2: I had a 17-footer swim into the pit with me. I actually didn't see it, I just saw its shadow and I thought it was another diver coming down to assist me. And, you know, I got a call on my, my phone on the, in my helmet and, and uh, said, hey, don't move, there's a big shark over you. And then the shark swam off and swam towards Nosset Beach.
1: In 2017, Barry Clifford comes to me with another rare discovery. His crew has found a human skeleton at the wreck site. Could they be the remains of Black Sam Bellamy? The remains are found in close proximity to where divers discovered Black Sam Bellamy's pistol. I immediately contact my esteemed friends, incredible forensic scientists at the University of New Haven to see if they'll team up with us to conduct DNA testing on a human femur bone that has been pulled from the wreck. Reporters assemble, and I announce our plans to the world. So today we're really here to try to solve a mystery that is 300 years in the making. In April 1717, the Galley, a pirate ship weighed down with the combined treasure of 54 ships wrecked right off the coast of Cape Cod. What the WIDA wreck really uh, represents here in America, it's America's version of King Tut's tomb.
3: Professor Tim Palmback had worked with Casey to find a DNA profile from his Aunt Mary Sullivan's remains in the Boston Strangler case. Now, Casey is asking him to go much further into history for these new efforts.
2: DNA technology has been around not that long in the world of sciences. You know, the late 80s is really when it came to being. But over the last 10 years, We've really uh, upped the ante and had some new technologies that are going to give us a shot at doing something like this.
3: Members of Palmback's team, including a scientist from Ireland named Claire Glynn, look on as the femur bone is carefully extracted from a giant concretion, which has trapped the human remains inside it for three centuries. Everyone in the room knows they are witnessing history. But Claire Glynn knows that her work is just getting started.
1: Getting DNA, as I mentioned, from bones is not always the easiest thing. It is very, very possible, though. It does have some challenges because we need to dig down into, this, into the inner surface of the bone and we need to break it open. Um, with ancient DNA, we face even further challenges with getting any sort of good quality and some good quantity of DNA from that bone. So now that the scientists have the pirate bone to examine, we still need a DNA sample to compare it with. That's when I begin my investigation to track down a blood relative of Black Sam Bellamy himself. My journey leads me to the place where Black Sam Bellamy's legend was born. Literally. I fly to England in search of Bellamy's family. That is if he still has any. In London, I scour libraries to trace the family tree. I learn that Bellamy hails from a tiny village in Devonshire called Hiddesley. I canvas social media sites to see if there are any Bellamy's living in the surrounding area. I find about a dozen names, but none of them can trace their lineage back to the Prince of Pirates. I'm about to give up when I find a young Englishman named Simon James Bellamy, living in the town of Somerset. I track him down and learn that, like Barry Clifford, he was raised on the legend of Black Sam, his long-dead ancestor. I've got a DNA kit with me, and I immediately buy a train ticket to Somerset. It's about an hour-and-a-half journey from London,
3: through small villages and over rolling green hills. Casey stays at an old manor house, and Simon Bellamy meets him there. They share a pint and Simon invites him to join his family for dinner at their home. A few hours later, Casey is standing in Simon Bellamy's kitchen as his wife Charlotte films the scientific procedure.
1: We're going to give uh, Simon a DNA test and that uh, DNA is going to be tested at the University of New Haven in the United States to see if it's a match to the bone that we found on the Witta shipwreck. If it is a match, then we now know that we have recovered the remains of the greatest pirate that ever sailed. So what Simon is going to do here is swab the uh, interior cheek of his mouth with that so that we get his DNA. And once he does that, it's going to be on there now. There it is. Bellamy family DNA that we are going to be testing in the United States to see if we have found the greatest pirate that ever sailed. And he is the greatest grand, 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 grand nephew of the greatest pirate that ever sailed. So wish us luck. The next morning, Simon and I venture off to the ancient village of Hiddesley in Devon as we continue to trace the steps of Black Sam. We drive through the Dartmoor, which looks like it's been untouched by time.
3: The village is old, really old. It's even mentioned in the legendary Doomsday Book, a geographical survey of England published in 1086 by order of William the Conqueror.
1: Beyond the hedgerows surrounding the town, we spot the spire of an ancient church, St. Andrews. It stands high on a hill, 650 feet above sea level. It dates back to the year 1200. We enter the church, and I can almost feel Black Sam's presence. We know he was here, as a baby, where he was christened in the nave in 1689. Talking with the town historian, We learn that Bellamy's mother died shortly after childbirth and is buried in an unmarked grave here on these grounds. We step out from the church to the ancient cemetery behind it. I kneel down and whisper a prayer for her soul.
3: Once back in the U.S., Black Sam's DNA sample is delivered to Tim Palmback's team at the University of New Haven. Scientist Claire Glynn already has her hands full with the femur bone discovered at the bottom of the ocean. It's been exposed to the ocean environment for 300 years, which has affected the integrity of not just the bone, but the DNA contained within it. Glynn has to sand and clean the outer layers of the femur bone to remove contaminants. Once inside the bone, she sees that many areas are heavily degraded with bacteria, discolored, and extremely brittle. In order to isolate human DNA for analysis, she uses three different extraction methods. The procedure is painstaking and frustrating. Finally, the last method bears some usable genetic material. In addition to the DNA analysis, the team uses new x-rays and thermal imaging of the bone fragment. Ultimately, they're able to determine that the DNA from the femur bone does not match Sam Bellamy's genetic sequence. However, the scientists do make a startling discovery. They determine that the pirate was born in the Eastern Mediterranean area, which means Turkey, Syria, Egypt, or Libya. Barry Clifford thinks the femur bone could belong to a pirate who had joined Bellamy's crew after escaping slavery.
1: In 2021, Barry Clifford comes to me again. This time, his crew has discovered not one, but six new skeletons in the WIDA shipwreck. The remains have been identified in several large concretions. We now have a sample of Black Sam Bellamy's DNA, so we're ahead of the game. Is one of the human remains that of the Pirate Prince? There's an old pirate saying, dead men tell no tales. But the pirates of the WIDA are speaking to us, through the ages using cutting-edge technology to get us closer to the truth. For Barry Clifford, his work is just getting started.
2: We have over 300 unopened concretions. One of them weighs over 13,000 pounds. You know, it's my nightmare. We've got another lifetime's worth of work revealing and taking the the artifacts from these uh, time capsules.
3: Some of those time capsules are on display at Clifford's museum. It's worth noting that he hasn't sold off any of the treasure. Instead, he's using it to teach younger generations about Black Sam and the Golden Age of Piracy. You can see the treasure yourself by visiting the Witta Pirate Museum on Cape Cod. For more information, go to discoverpirates.com.
0: Saints, Sinners, and Serial Killers is a joint production of Mudhouse Media and Fort Point Media. Produced and edited by Mike Joshua. Studio space provided by WorkLocalMA.com. Original music by Chris Spagone. Special thanks to actor Kevin Lassett for performing in the role of Black Sam Bellamy. For more from the Mudhouse Media Podcast Network, visit MudhouseMedia.com. And for the latest on their podcasts and all of the writing and film projects of Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge, visit fortpointmedia.com. Don't forget to visit the Witta Pirate Museum on Cape Cod.